again for Two Girls, One Podcast, the extremely online show for internet communities by an internet community. And now here are your second favorite influencers behind those glow-up people on TikTok, Alison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hola, mis amigos. That means, hello, my friends. I'll be translating today. <laughs> Porque estaba en México para mi cumpleaños. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That means Happy because birthday. I was I was in Mexico for my birthday. Um, not to brag, but like I totally avoided the Super Bowl riot, the Super Bowl parade, and the hail that happened in <laughs> LA last week. <laughs> the hail is wow, the most concerning, really. Oof. I avoided all of that too because what are sports? <laughs> you avoided the hail because you don't care about sports. The hail I was inside, and the rest I inv- avoided because I don't know what sports are. That is amazing. I actually did watch the Super Bowl, but oh, uh, I did not watch. <laughs> from a beach view in Ensenada. And then I freaking dipped in the fourth quarter and was like, wow, we won. Cool. Nice work. <laughs> I didn't realize that LA was in the Super Bowl till like the day before the Super Bowl. I was like, we, who are we rooting for? <laughs> and everyone's it. like the city that we live in. I was like, I see why you would root for them. I see it now. Yeah, you never know what that we though. The sports we is like yeah, who people are, are we? Like, oh man, I love the Boston thing. I Red Sox. I don't know. Yep. I don't. That was it. You did it. It, it was Listen, the Red Sox. I went climbing during the Super Bowl, and it was funny because obviously everyone at the climbing gym doesn't give a fuck about the Super Bowls. They like played all this <laughs> music about like what are sports? What are sports? <laughs> That's and then a I song. Biked. Yeah, there, there are some like, I mean, I didn't know. I don't know if they got them from YouTube or whatever, but they're like funny parody songs about like, what the fuck is the Super Bowl? And they played those. And then I went biking to Hermosa Beach because we live in a vacation. We truly do. <laughs> we truly do. And in my Airbnb in Mexico, they had like a travel book for L.A. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to look and see. I'm going to treat my hometown like a vacation. Let's do it. <laughs> Lindsay yeah. and I did that, listeners. We did that a few, right before she went to Mexico, we treated LA like our vacation spot. We went geocaching. You and we know, went you thought it movies. wasn't going to happen, listeners. You they thought we it. weren't going to do it. We did we it. We did it. Wow. Congrats. We went geocaching and we went to Aldi's. Aldi's was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> geocaching Aldi's, was fun. Yeah. What did we buy at Aldi's? I think we just bought Aldi's avocados like and dipped. Sad. We tried. <laughs> we did the cacao in the Isle of Shame. <laughs> so for listeners who, for some reason, this is your first one, that's a previous episode, we went in the Isle of Shame and <laughs> everybody looked at us like we were insane, but nobody came up to us and was like, oh my God. Damn, What's funny damn. is that actually no one looked at us, which was even weirder. There were people in the aisle. I feel and like Allie we got side I, from like one person. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> why are you being so loud? Because all these is like also weirdly quiet. They're not playing any music in the grocery oh, store. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? But That's I really understand interesting. the allure of the aisle because, like, it had random ass shit in there. And if, if I happened to have needed some of that shit, some of it was a really good deal, but I didn't need any of it. Yeah. And our friend talked about the, like, lumberjack candle. So I was like, oh, maybe some of these candles are good, but... 
bro, some of those candles are heinous. And if yeah. you lit them in my house, I would <laughs> hurt you. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. someone, I would never call the cops because they don't help. This, um, is the one, anything. this is the one place where you should call the cops. I would call the fire department. <laughs> I would like someone tried to light my life and my nostrils on fire and we need to douse them in water because they suck. <laughs> is there, are there any other shenanigans you'd like to share uh, about Mexico? Otherwise, we should dive in and tell our listeners what's happening today. My Mexico shenanigans. Oh my gosh, friends. Okay. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but the... Where I live, my house used to be a church, and there is for sure at least one very friendly ghost in the house. And uh, she's straight up closing doors to make sure that our sleep doesn't get disturbed when the dog, one of the dogs can open doors. So he's going in and out of rooms on his own. And she's like, let me just close the door gently. She refills the dog's water things because, like, my two roommates and I, I never fill the dog's water because they're sorry. not my dogs. What? Yeah. I live with a ghost. <laughs> I've posted about this on my oh, Instagram no. stories. We've talked about the door closing and your investigation. And I'm still like, all right, something else. Close the door. But what do mm -hmm. you mean the water was filled? Yeah. The dogs have like a little water fountain where it's like not a bowl. Like it you know, one of those things so that there's no mildew or whatever, build up a new thing for animals. It's not new, but it's good for the animals. Anyway. Um, it, yeah. Several times, like they will be like, Lindsay, did you fill the water bowl? Basically my one roommate who is a firefighter and very safety conscious, she's the only one making sure nobody in the house that is alive dies. She's refilling the water. <laughs> she's making sure the dogs are fed. But like sometimes <laughs> her wife also does it. Right. But me, I'm never doing it. They're not my dogs. I, I can't feed them and water them. I just pet them. It's not the and... ghost's dog either, but the ghost is doing it, Lindsay. Truly. <laughs> she's better than me. She's better than all of us. She's truly not out here trying to scare us. She's so chill, but she definitely fills the water because sometimes Jamie will be like, oh, thanks for filling the water. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> me? No, it wasn't That's me. That's good. Don't take credit because then the ghost turns on you. Yeah. And she was like, was mm. it Morgan? And we're like, no. No, no, it wasn't. Um, but so it's it it has to be the ghost. So anyway, yeah, in Mexico, conclusion. <laughs> it, it, obviously, in Mexico, there was also a ghost. We had y'all were having hail. We were having like a crazy windstorm on the beach, and in the middle of the windstorm, like the lights went out, and we were like, "Oh, that's weird." And so then. We go and we're like, okay, well, it's kind of crazy. If we don't have electricity, maybe we should make some tea. We turn on the stove and the lights come on. So now the wiring has gotten mixed up such that the stove turns the lights on, but the stove doesn't turn on. So we didn't have any heat. And then the stove was, turns the lights on. It was crazy. That's like a fun escape room. It was basically <laughs> like an escape room, except we were living there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it was a ghost, but obviously this time it was probably wind. <laughs> Honestly, it was probably just the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> An electrician fixed it the next day. So if you've seen and just like that, it wasn't a ghost in the lamp and it probably wasn't a ghost in my Airbnb. Did you just do a Sex in the City <laughs> reference? 
Yeah. No, it was. And just like that, that's it, the. Is that, uh, was, is it sequel. good? Have you, I've heard it's so no, bad. No, girl, it's not good. How Absolutely many episodes have not. you watched and why? All of them because mm-hmm. nostalgia. Okay. That's it's like, it's like why you would ever eat a Twinkie. <laughs> They're disgusting. I would never eat a Twinkie. <laughs> exactly. But someone might be like, Ooh, do you want a Twinkie? And you're like, Oh my God, so cute. You eat it and you're like, yikes. Well, I don't want to throw it out. I guess I'll finish <laughs> it. Such a good, perfect analogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There's just too many things to watch. There's too many. Yeah. And there's yeah. too many things to listen to, but thank you, listener, for being here. Yeah, we appreciate mm. you. Because this can't be nostalgia. We're not that old. <laughs> well, for some people, perhaps. <laughs> One day we, we will get there. <laughs> we may we may have some uh, we may have a nostalgic episode coming up, but stay tuned. But today is very mm. much new and of the times. Lindsay, would you like to tell the listeners about today's guest? Yes, friends. One day. When you make your own YouTube channel, your own TikTok stardom comes to light, you will need the services of today's guest's company. Because when people, you know, make stuff for YouTube, they just put it out there willy-nilly. The internet is the wild, wild west of the future, and anything could happen. People can be stealing your shit, and you got to be like, bro, that's my shit. But you can't have a freaking, like... 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, dual on the internet. <laughs> you need someone to swoop in and steal the money that they stole from you back. And that's where today's guest comes in. How did I do? You know, I thought I was long-winded and then, <laughs> and then Lindsay joined us and now I'm the succinct one. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, not every day. Just today because I had two cups of black tea. <laughs> I love the idea that like black tea is what throws Lindsay over the edge. <laughs> Once again, I'm going to reference what our friend Marvin said about Lindsay, which was Lindsay opens her mouth and personality falls up, falls out. I picture that Lindsay wakes up like, let's go. <laughs> my, I probably have said this before, but my mom said that since birth, I only had two modes, which are awake and asleep. That's it. There's just no transition from sleep to awake. There's no transition from awake to sleep. It just is done. I'm asleep Ping. or I'm awake. That's that's pretty good. I wouldn't yeah. mind uh, to those two modes. I think it's a you great ever way g- to be. Yeah. If you ever give <laughs> really, me full Really, what's the calf. other option between sleep and awake? Yeah, being being tired and yeah. groggy all the time. You're Not awake. Grumpy. You don't life. have to be grumpy. It's just like most people. Oh, no, I mean, I like groggy. Like yeah, yes, groggy, like, oh, groggy. Oof, yeah. I got to do this. I'd much rather be like, yeah. whoa, what are we and doing I today? Guess, I guess the other in between <laughs> is all of my 2019 where I was lying awake. Yes. Hell on earth. I'm so glad you not there anymore. Honestly, still. So I am kind of in sleep awake mode because now every morning that I wake up still, I've been knock on what I've been sleeping for a while now, but every morning I wake up and I go, we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I open my eyes and I'm like, is it the middle of the night? Like what's happening? Then I realize it's like an appropriate hour to get up and I'm like, nailed it. <laughs> Never lose that gratitude though. It's truly like, it's so oh, important I mean, to be honestly, like, yeah. For me, look, some people are good without sleep. For me, 
that year of insomnia, year and a half, was hell on earth. I don't know how you did your jobs and showed up to this well, thing. Well, you may and, recall but, that it was pretty touch and go. <laughs> I mean, but every day you'd, you'd come on, you'd be like, and I'd whine. I don't know, guys, last night was rough. And then we'd hit record and you'd be like, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. And I, and you were, you were like, how, how did I do? I was like, you were great. You did great. What are you talking about? It's fine. Well, I think that that was always very nice of you because I really did worry. I was like, there's no way I'm entertaining right now. Like, there's just no way. <laughs> but thank God. And if anyone is having trouble with insomnia, please, um, you can get, you know, find me on social media, go to our discord, DM me. I have tried everything. So if you are having trouble with sleep, I can tell you every possible fucking remedy that might work for you. Yep. Real deal. Amazing. We should have you on as a guest, as a sleep mm -hmm. expert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe one week when we have trouble finding an episode, we can do the sleep episode and I'll just share fucking everything. <laughs> everything. Somebody, yeah. Oh, something that did happen when I went to Mexico. It's very easy to drive to Mexico from Los Angeles, but everybody's afraid because getting back in seems so hard. But here's the thing, y'all. If you've got global entry, which is this thing, I don't know, that you get instead of TSA pre-check, because it's better, you can drive through a special lane that has fewer people in it. It's like pre-check line, but for border crossings, it's pretty awesome. So uh, pro tip, you're welcome. Oh, look at me. I'm Lindsay and I'm rich and I can go wherever I want in the world and not wait in line. <laughs> That's the thing. You don't even have to be rich because anybody that knows me knows that your girl is so far from being rich, bro. She's like a borderline poor. <laughs> She's just living her child-free life until she gets a baby in it. Oh, who's going to put a baby in it? <laughs> I told you that's what happens when you're a co-host with me. You meet a man, you get a baby, you leave the show. I find a new co-host. That's true. So that's you've true. been There's promising that door. for nine months now. It didn't take Jen. It wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediate. It's yeah. like yeah, a it year into the podcast. Took, it took, took 150 episodes. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta what sit am I tight, at? Lindsay. 20? I'm at 20. You gotta Damn. sit tight. Okay. But um, you know, as soon as she gets a man, you know, co-host, start applying. You know, reach out to me. Get at me. Uh, only those who are looking to get a man. And get a baby. <laughs> Everyone else, <laughs> bye. No, no I'm just co-hosts can apply for when you are knocked up. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the the subsequent co-hosts need to join, knowing that they want to get pregnant and married, or maybe not married. I don't know. Just pregnant by someone who loves you and is willing yeah, to commit their life. Yeah, Jen's not married yet. They got a bastard child. <gasps> <laughs> they still did, they didn't make it official yet. No, they're go they're engaged. They're going to, but also like with COVID yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah but also yeah, they, yeah. they like joking that it's a bastard child, so I didn't blow up her spot. But yeah, oh, they're I fucking now that I think of it, love Jen's been husband. on maternity leave for a long time. <laughs> When's she coming back? <laughs> oh, ouch! My feelings. Just kidding. Just kidding. Ouch! <laughs> All right, we got we got to get into this interview because new listeners are like, what the? Who are these people? Let's get into it because today's interview is very interesting because as Lindsay said it's the wild west out there what do you do when someone steals your content and makes money off of it so matt do you have some trivia for us along those lines i do have some trivia we're talking about influencers uh it's it seems to be a, a lot of youtube but it uh, certainly tiktok instagram and elsewhere but like 
the, hey, I made a popular video on YouTube and then people steal it and either re-upload it to YouTube or they re-upload it to Facebook. And like, like I've been a victim of that and I've seen it happen in media all the time. So is this is really interesting. So today's trivia is about YouTubers. I have a list of names for you. Some of them are extremely popular YouTubers with millions of subscribers, and some of them are Pokemon. Oh. You have to decide which one is a real YouTuber and which one is a Pokemon. Oh my god, this one is great. This is very great. I'm so excited. Wait, did you invent this game, YouTuber Pokemon? Uh, th- this format has is is known. Okay, because it's a but brilliant I, yes, I did, I did come format. Up, I did come up it's with a this. Yeah, yeah. No, the form, I can't take credit okay. for the format, but um, but this is a this is a fun podcast game show style okay. game. Are you prepared? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm ready. If you're gonna log your votes. You can vote for the I'm same as thing. Okay, as I you ever are could competing. Be, which is, I don't spend much time on YouTube, and I won't know any of these people. <laughs> but oh, it's about funny. how many Pokemon do you know? <laughs> Yeah, that as well. It's a. It's this is going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm confident Allie has no Pokemon fluency, but I don't know, Lindsay. Did did you say that you were a big Pokemon collector back in the day? <sighs> Your girl has truly never collected a Pokemon, but once I was on vacation with a bunch of people who were playing Pokemon Go, so I played that. Okay. All right. So you you have a slight advantage here, perhaps. Yeah. Watch out, Allie. Okay. All right. So you're competing, and you can you you want to choose the choice that is right for you. You it can be the same, and at the end we will tally up the most right answers. All right. I'm ready. The first name is Burmy. <laughs> Burmy. Is that a famous YouTuber or is it a Pokemon? Famous YouTuber. YouTuber. Oh, you both say YouTuber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're both saying YouTuber, mm-hmm. and you are both. Wrong. <laughs> Burmy is a bug-type Pokemon that looks like a caterpillar with a little cloak of leaves or sand. But like, are you I sure it's not also a YouTuber? Like, it could be. <sighs> you know, it's unlikely. You're, you're not wrong. Matt but does here's what his I'll research. Say. I do my research. The YouTubers I am I am isolating here are not just like, oh, someone has a YouTube account named after Pokemon. These are huge YouTubers, okay? So they are known people, if that makes sense. Great, great. Okay. Huge YouTubers. Huge. Nope. Okay. You have to aspirate that H or it's triggering. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're, you are correct. Thank, Thank you. you very much. The next name is Buzzwole. <laughs> Buzzwole. <laughs> Now I'm feeling like we're going to get them 100% wrong because yeah, I mean I'm that sounds now? like a Pokemon. But okay. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to split. I'm going to split. I'm going to go YouTuber. Okay. Ali says Pokemon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is hard to keep track of. I have a little spreadsheet here so mm-hmm. I'll make sure I get it. You're doing great. Up. I'm counting Allie on says my Pokemon. Good, good. Uh Lindsay says YouTuber. Buzzwall is a Pokemon. Oh, Allie gets it correct. That's good. Buzzwall is a super jacked up muscle bug Pokemon. He looks <laughs> like he's spent too much time at the gym, but only focusing on like peck day. Wow. That's Buzzwall. Some men do. There is yep. a YouTuber that also looks like that. <laughs> Probably For sure. Me. For sure. <laughs> the next name is Pinkfong. Pink Fong. I'm going to go YouTuber. It's just been too long. I'm going to go gonna... YouTuber as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You both say YouTuber and you are both correct. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Pokemon doesn't like start with a color. Well, as the name. Oh, I see your strategy. 
Uh, you probably don't know Pinkfong, but they have 55.7 million subscribers Holy. and they are wow. responsible for Baby Shark. That is where oh, wow. Baby Shark comes from. Evil. That abomination, yes. And they do lots of other kids' videos. It's so interesting. It's We've talked about this before, Matt, but that it's like you could be... Because movie stars, it's like, okay, even if you don't see the movie, you see the billboards, you see the ads, you see the previews, whatever. YouTube stars, it's like you could be insanely famous, 55 million subscribers, but then other people have no idea who the fuck you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that concept, you know, obsessed. Yeah. yeah. To, just to clarify, and we'll have others on this list, but Pinkfong is like a brand. It's like a it's like a cartoon. They do like kids videos, so it's not a YouTuber ah, person per se, but it's okay. the name of the channel. Just to clarify for that one, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. All right, next one. Jelly <laughs> is Jelly a YouTuber or a Pokemon? Come on, how is it's that not both? both. That's how is that be not both? both? There's no option for both. We're going with both. We're sticking with both. <laughs> oh my God, it's both. I'll, I'll, I, I I'll go YouTuber. I'll go. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go Pokemon. I want to go Pokemon. I'll go Pokemon. Okay. 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 Lindsay goes Pokemon, and Allie is saying YouTuber. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jelly is a YouTuber. Allie gets it. <laughs> Good job, Allie. You're crushing it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. 22.7 million subscribers. Uh, just plays video games. Uh, a lot of different, different, a mixed bag of, of video games. It's, it's a lot of Minecraft and stuff like that. Here's your next one, and I and I forgive my pronunciation. I'm going to do my best. Pseudo Wudo. <laughs> Pseudo Wudo. Uh, Pokemon. Okay. Allie's, uh, Lindsay says Pokemon. I feel like that's got to be Pokemon. All right. Allie's locking in Pokemon. The answer is Pseudo Wudo is a rock type Pokemon that looks like. An erect penis. Really? <laughs> you can Google that later, but you both get it correct. Amaze. 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 Mm -hmm. All right. Get ready for this one. Okay. Antrax. Antrax? Wow, well, that Pokemon. throws me back. Pokemon. To Anthrax. Haven't heard that Not time. Anthrax. Antrax. Uh, I'm going to go with YouTuber. Okay. Lindsay says Pokemon. Ali says YouTuber. The correct answer is YouTuber. <laughs> Allie gets this Damn. one. Allie, you've only missed one, I think. Don't jinx me. Antrax does you a lot of vlogging, lose. gaming, and uh, other sketches on their YouTube channel. Are we done yet? Mm. I want to quit while I'm ahead. <gasps> no, nope, we got a, we got a couple more here. Ahead. Here's the next one. Perzerker. Fuck <laughs> about Perzerker. I just Allie have no Pokemon. idea. I have no idea. I'll also say Pokemon. Both saying Pokemon. Both are correct. A steel type Pokemon that evolves from Meowth, which is like a cat. So it's oh. like a super strong cat mm -hmm. type Pokemon, oh I guess. Oh my gosh, do we need that? Cats are already so strong willed. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. Here's the next one Willy Rex. <laughs> Willy Rex. YouTuber. YouTube. Both going with YouTube, and both are correct. Woody woo! Willy Rex is a Spanish language gaming YouTuber, YouTuber uh, mm -hmm. who plays a lot of PUBG Among Us, and weirdly plays a lot of golf. Love it. In video games. Love it. Next one, Lanky Box. Mm-hmm. 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 A Lanky Box. 
YouTube. I mean, that's that's a, a, a true juxtaposition because to be lanky is the opposite of being boxy. <laughs> but uh, maybe it's a tall YouTuber with a real rectangular head. I don't know. Um, what did you say, Allie? YouTube. Mm-hmm. Sure. Agreed. Lindsay goes with YouTube as well. That is correct. Oh. Lankybox has 15.6 million subscribers. Uh, it is actually a team, I guess. Lankybox is made up of Justin, Adam, and two animated friends, Foxy and Boxy. And they do a lot of Roblox videos. How apparently. dare. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Here's the last one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No brew. No brew. No brew. Like no boo, but with beer instead of fish? Not the beer brew. N-O-B-R-U. No brew. Brew. Like a bruja. Mm. No witches in this YouTube channel. Um, I'll say it's a Pokemon. Lindsay goes Pokemon. This one's difficult. I'll say YouTube. Okay, okay. Only goes with YouTuber. Ali is correct. No Brew is a YouTuber with 13.3 million subscribers. Uh, he is 12 years old, Brazilian, and uh, <laughs> does gaming in Portuguese. That's 13 million very subscribers. Cute. All right, let's tally up the score. Ali got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is the correct. best I've ever done a trivia. Lindsay has one, two, three, four, five correct. Wow. That means Allie is our winner. Congratulations. I thought Woo! I got one correct. When when you kept <laughs> counting after one, I was like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> five. Incredible. I felt like I did horrible. All right. We got to take a break. Okay. Bye. For some important, important messages. Don't miss us too much. Hey everybody, welcome back to my and Allie's channel, Two Girls, One Podcast, where these awesome subscribers have smashed that like button and contributed at the $10 or more level. Let's give a big internet high five to Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, and William. Thank you all. Head on over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. And don't forget to smash that contribute button. And now a real post entitled To the Woman Who Hooked Up With My Son Last Night from the website where moms of local singles are ready to meet you. Next door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. To the woman who hooked up with my son last night, I am not his roommate, I am his mother. He's a freeloader and I'm the one who taught him to put a little bit of nutmeg inside those scrambled eggs. He did not go to culinary school. I hope you get to read this because you're in for a good ride and not allowed back into my house because he needs to get a job. I would have introduced myself had I known he said this to you, but since we live under the same roof, I heard him say this to his friend on the phone. His friend's name is Josh. You probably heard him talk about his friend because he published one book and thinks he's suddenly a famous author. He's also a freeloading slob. Sincerely, Mom. 
Oh my goodness. This woman is hilarious and also doesn't seem like the type of person to let her son freeload. How long has he been living there? I don't know. I feel like this incident was the straw that broke the camel's back. She's intense, bro. I love her. I love love it. I know. Now I'm like, wow, maybe I should just marry her son so that we could be friends. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that you want that level of baggage. No, girl, I don't. I truly don't. I truly don't. I'm looking for only landed gentry and tech multimillionaires. (laughs) That's all. Landed gentry. (laughs) Just mild requirements. Yeah. So small. Or like a funny astronaut. I hope that's your Tinder profile because that's very funny. <laughs> I don't need much, but you must be at least a funny astronaut or a landed gentry yeah. or a tech millionaire. That's it. You don't even need to have a lot of millions, just like one Honestly, million. Honestly, girl, we're in our late thirties. We're sifting through the leftovers. We got to find out where the divorcees hang out. That's where it's mm-hmm. at. You're foolish, Allie. Mm. I'm fine marrying someone who is 27 and just sold their company <laughs> after it IPO'd. I'm fine. Good luck finding a man like that who also wants babies immediately. <laughs> he doesn't have to want them. We're just going to have them. All right. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. I'm just kidding. We're going to have a conversation about it. He's going to, it's going to be fine. He's going to want it. Lindsay wants a 27-year-old millionaire who's ready to st- settle down and have babies immediately. No, that's not what I want. I want, I want Oscar Isaac, but that motherfucker oh, is happily too. married. Me he's happily too. married. That is my celebrity crush. Have we not talked about this? Oh my God, I mean, he's the sexiest man alive. Allie. <laughs> um, we can't top that. So I think it's time to welcome our guest. <laughs> Yay. Everyone, it is time to welcome our guest. The co-founder and president of SuperBam, give a big internet podcast welcome to Chris Landa. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Chris. We're so happy to have you. I guess we should start off by you telling us what SuperBam is and how you decided to build this company. Yeah. So SuperBam is a little over four years old, and we started as a digital rights management company focused on creators. And over those four years, um, we started working with not just creators, top creators, um, you know, who are have massive audiences on uh, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, uh, Facebook, kind of all the major platforms. Um, so we expanded uh, working with them to working with digital publishers, media companies, A-list celebrities, well, basically anyone who needed their rights protected on YouTube. Uh, and then in addition to that, we also launched a separate department that is focused on kind of helping grow official channels um, on YouTube and Facebook, uh, which launched last year and has been pretty successful. Uh, but at the end of the day, the foundation of the company and why it was built was to be able to help people kind of protect their intellectual property rights and choose what they wanted to do with it on, on YouTube. And the reason why that second part, I think, is very important is because on YouTube, it's not just about removing content. Um, it's about being able to monetize pirated content, block pirated content, really decide what you want to do the same way that you know, a major movie studio or music label can decide what they want to do when somebody's pirating their content. And we realized that there was a really big need for this. You know, the credit really goes to uh, my business partner and, and the founder of Superman, um, Ryan, who you know, he basically is, he is one of the pioneers in terms of content claiming on YouTube. And he is a creator himself. And he realized, you know, that while everyone was so focused on, you know, the, where the bigger media companies were focused on this area, 
no one was really looking after creators. And when he started thinking about this um, way back, you know, I think in, in uh, 2013, when he was at a company called Fullscreen, he started actually applying claiming practices to creator content because there was a lot of big viral content that Fullscreen um, had at the time. And through that, you know, there was a lot of success. And so he always kind of thought about this as its own business. And then he one day was very brave and decided to start it. And then I joined shortly after. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. For our listeners who are not in content creation, I mean, I know everyone is on some form of social media, but can you break it down for our listeners, you know, the different types of things that you're doing? You know, YouTube is a very unique platform because it's global and it's absolutely massive, but it's also very technologically advanced. And so as a rights holder, when you are actually uploading a a piece of content, you have the ability to put it into something called Content ID. And what Content ID is, is a tool that YouTube allows allows for you to match your original piece of content to re-uploads. So pirated versions um, or ones that might be fan edits. There's a lot of different ways people might be repurposing your content. So YouTube has a technology that allows you to identify this content and then also put a claim on it. And what a claim is, is it basically allows you as the rights holder to say, I own this and I want uh, X policy to be enforced on the content. Most of our clients prefer to monetize part of the content. Some prefer to uh, block or take down that content. Um, so it really is up to the rights holder. And what that allows you to do is control someone else's video on the platform in, in one or two different ways. You know, so if you are actually claiming it for monetization, it allows you to, one, make sure all the money is going to you because it's your intellectual property, uh, but also to um, get the data from the video, which could be really useful in understanding why that piece of content is really successful, especially if it's something maybe like a foreign dub. Um, where, you know, it's a German upload and it's really popping off there, you know, it allows you to kind of understand maybe an an audience you didn't even know you had a little bit better. And then if you're doing a takedown, it just removes it from the platform. So we basically are a a YouTube enterprise partner that has the ability to do this on behalf of our clients. And so we actively work with them to put their content into Content ID uh, to find these matches and help them control their intellectual property rights. So that's one kind of core aspect of what we do. And that's digital rights management on the platform. And then if we um, kind of go to more, um, you know, what we call Amplify, that's more actually working on people's own channels and, and pages and helping them um, understand what changes can be made to you know, obtain a larger audience or monetize better. And we do that mainly for um, enterprise clients. So bigger businesses, media companies, etc. So basically, to summarize it, if um, you steal someone's stuff on YouTube, you can get it claimed and they can get the money. <laughs> and we help make that happen. <laughs> what if the stolen content is other people's written content. Uh, what do you mean? Can you can you give me a potential example there? All right, let's talk about it. Let's okay. talk about it. We had a previous guest here. Yeah. He is renowned internet troll, Ken M. Okay. Ken M and I are now kind of buddies after this podcast. <laughs> and he has had a lot of people take his incredible, incredible trolling and voice it, for instance, on YouTube. And there are some videos that have millions of views I guess my question, which maybe you guys haven't even gone there yet, but I understand if you're adding a voice to it, you're doing, you know, you're doing your own thing, you're making the video, but I come from a traditional background of theater. Okay, so these people are the actors, but the playwright's not getting paid. 
I don't know if that's something you're looking into, but how you can um, protect people who are having their content now kind of spun out into something else, but they're making tons of money off you and you're you're getting nothing. Mm. Yeah, it's you know I'm not familiar with, with him to be honest, but I will be after this podcast. I promise. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, and you know, it really depends on a lot of different factors and being able to claim on YouTube. But at the end of the day, it really comes to the fact that it has to be you know audiovisual or kind of audio content. You know, if somebody is pirating that aspect of it, you can claim it with audio. You know, YouTube actually has a whole separate system for music. So usually, you know, audio is, is music yeah. claims. But, you know, if it's somebody who is just taking kind of written word or is somebody is recreating, that's actually a pretty big issue on the platform. And there's been some really big entertainment companies we've worked with um, that have had to take people to court because the tool that YouTube provides here isn't sufficient and won't, won't, like, they don't want you to, and it's actually against their terms of service, to be claiming and monetizing that content. Um, because you know that's more of, I would say, a trademark issue or an issue kind of different than the tool they allow you to have or allow you to use in this case. So if it kind of comes to written word, you're a little bit SOL. Damn. Uh, and you have to kind of take different avenues. I'm sorry, Ken. It, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, Ali, also what you're talking about sounds like it, it wasn't... Are you going to say blogologs? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it wasn't created to be read by an actor. It's just like someone put it out there. It, it would be like... Right. It's like someone reading the phone book. It's like, oh, you can't say my name. You know, that's just... Mm. The, the person who made it into the video did something that you weren't going to do with it and that you didn't really mm. have the vision for. It's like a yeah. different interesting. vision. Yeah, that's an interesting legal thing. That's true. I mean, yeah, I think that's a really good point, but it's very fascinating to me, like where that line is drawn, right? Because these people are making a lot of money off of it. So I don't know. Well, if he knows right. he's a really funny and good troll, he needs to just save his trolling, put it on a website and make a video himself or get a partner that's making the videos. Ken and I will talk later. <laughs> you could be the video component of Ken's trolling and you could be the only one that ever puts it on and then you guys can share the profit. Love it. Um, also for listeners and for our esteemed guest right now, that's episode 171. We interviewed Ken M. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And one, one quick addendum as a fan of Ken M and also the technology stuff here. If anyone can do this, Google can figure this out and maybe it, not that it's on the current roadmap, but like Google is indexing all the text on the entire internet anyway. So like there is a technological solutions there somewhere. Mm. Content ID works for AV, as as Chris is saying. We could get it to work for tech. I mean, it's freaking huge, but but maybe there's a solution one day. I don't know. Yeah. Super uh, interesting. I love I that. I love it when Matt gets all nerd excited. <laughs> well, because I just think almost from a philosophical standpoint, what do people deserve, right? So does Ken deserve 10% of that revenue? And actually, what are the breakdowns for what you do when, when you said you don't take it down? Maybe it's dubbed, they're finding a whole new market. But what is that? What is the revenue that the original creator gets? In that case, uh, it's zero. You know, and you can look this up. There's a lot of resources online. You know, if you do have a third-party claim come in, in pretty much all cases, except for with some uh, use cases around music, um, all that revenue will go to the original rights holder. Mm. And the reason for that, you know, and I'm just going to kind of speculate a little bit on this, is that when this system was first built uh, way back in 2007, you know, YouTube was a very different landscape. You know, and it was a lot of movie clips. It was a lot of piracy there. And this, you know, is basically allowed for an unofficial licensing platform that makes it okay to be using other people's content on the platform. But in a lot of cases, uh, you know, the rights holders 
I'm sure feel like they should be getting 100% of it because their content was used without permission and this is what it's like. You know, there have been a lot of conversations, especially, you know, the creator community, but also a lot of rights holders that I talked to where they, they would like to actually be able to split it. But that just isn't something that, you know, the, the product can currently, currently do right now. So, and I'm sorry to get nerdy about this and, and I would be interested in your take, Chris. I happen to know this because I have a YouTube channel that does cover songs and everything that we've done previously was like, yep, ID, this is a song, all money flows to the rights holder. And only within the last year has YouTube released a, a new feature that's like, hey, would you like to split the revenue? And this has been what I perceive this to be is like authorship rights, revenue goes to author, performance rights, revenue goes to performer, and it does split with Warner Music or whoever. And it's pennies, obviously, for to to me, but the product is now there. And I maybe so I don't know, have you seen this? Is this relevant to your business at all? No, it, it's very similar. And I use a lot of the same functionality as, as what we do. And you know, I think it was put there because cover songs are such a big part of the platform. Right. You know, there it's also great for people to do it, right? Because the, the you know, the rights holders can still monetize a chunk of it and it kind of makes everyone happy. Um, and I think this is one of the steps that YouTube tried to make to kind of solve this. There's so many different ways in which content can be used, especially of an audiovisual nature. It's really, it's, it's a lot more complicated, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think there's, you know, I don't know if a solution's on the horizon. They can announce it tomorrow or I can announce it in 10 years. I have, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that basic premise of, you know, making sure that all parties are compensated uh, for the content that's created. Because while you are using their content, you're also creating a lot of your own content in it as well. You know, and there's a lot of uh, cases in which, you know, you might be doing a 30 minute video and, you know, you might be using two minutes of someone else's content, but that still is a lot of unique intellectual property you've created. And I think looking at, you know, and a lot of people call it the creator economy, I don't think anyone really thought about what social media was going to be today. And I think that's a really big thing. You know, I don't think people would, were really aware of social sharing and how important that is. You know, if you go onto YouTube, a lot of some of the most watched content right now is is from TikTok. Yeah, you, know, you see cross uh, cross platform posting all the time. You know, one you know from official ch- from official accounts and channels, but also from pirate channels and accounts or fans. You know, a lot of different type of people repurposing this content. You know, unfortunately, there's just so many use cases of how content is being repurposed and used. Some nefarious where they want to make money, some because they're a fan or they just want to do something really cool. So I think trying to parse that out is a massive challenge for Google in the future. Yeah, there's so many ways that people use these platforms, like you were saying. I mean, I am not clear on what it means for some, let's say someone like overdubs a video, right? They're showing a video and then they put totally new audio over it. How does that work? And is it different when someone is doing like a reaction video to a full song of something where a lot of the original audio is the song that they're listening to and reacting to, and then the video is them? Like, how does that work? And how does that, I guess, get split. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, what you're kind of talking about starts going more into fair use and if the content's transformative. And there are certain kind of rules and benchmarks to understand if it is. And so I think, you know, it really ties into that and it really ties into, you know, fair use and, and what that actually means. You know, it's, it's a case by case basis and you have to really understand, you know, what fair use is and, you know, really be able to evaluate if content's transformative. 
and, and then make that call. Um, and so that's kind of what you're talking about. I think reaction content on YouTube is extremely interesting for kind of one reason is there's a really a lack of education around if React content is just blanket fair use. In certain cases, it definitely can be. And in other cases, it's not. And I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, if you're doing anything that's a blanket React video that's covered under fair use, you know, and a lot of the times people, you know, feel that, uh, you know, they can literally just sit there and watch a whole entire video without doing anything. And then that's somehow fair use. And so when it comes to React videos, one, if you're making them, you should really understand fair use. You really should evaluate the content you're, you're making and, and weigh it against it. But a lot of people, especially, you know, on YouTube, I think it's just, it's a little bit of, you know, just bad education that just consistently floats around um, where no one is actually saying, okay, this is what fair use is. There's just as a lot of people saying, oh, well, if you do this type of video, it's fair use. And that's not necessarily true. It's so interesting, right? It's like, are your reactions big enough? Is that like kind of what it comes down to? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that, right? And I think a lot of people, that's, that's kind of how they think. But, you know, really, what was the reason for fair use to be created? And, you know, have going, you know, oh, my gosh, at a really dramatic moment, you know, is that really a breakdown of like why this moment is happening and connecting it to other information and actually, you know, providing commentary or criticism on the, on the piece of content? And I think that's kind of the, the trap a lot of people have fallen into, especially kind of the younger generation who, you know, grew, you know really grew up with YouTube and, and really wants to be releasing this type of content. My basic advice is if you're ever using anyone else's content on YouTube, you really need to do the research to make sure that you're that you actually earn the right to use it. Uh, whether that's obtaining a license, really understanding it from a fair use perspective, um, and you know, with fair use, you know, it's not something you can just claim up front, right? It's it's a defense, um, so you have to be willing to kind of put up with that as well. Because you know, when when we do claim a piece of content, you know, YouTube has set it up. There is the ability to you know dispute it, right, and say actually no, I feel like I'm in the right to use this content. Um, and then it gets reviewed, and then the rights holder uh, through YouTube has the ability to reapply the claim or to um, release it. One of the kind of disputes that we commonly get is, well, YouTube is a public platform, so therefore it's public domain. Or Twitch is a public platform, and therefore it's public domain. Or a lot of people really um, not understanding what they're, what they're trying to use as a defense. And so that's why, you know, I'm always encouraging people, like if you are using other people's content on the platform, you just really need to be airtight. I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to post a video, see it, it doing really well, and then have this happen because you, know, you don't have your ducks in a row. Do you love reading fine print? Is that like your hobby? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of experience with it. I'm not trying to say I have any real legal expertise that's there. I'm not a lawyer. Um, my dad was uh, a lawyer. He, he you know, did a lot of you know, contractual law. And I actually used to work for him years and years ago. And then one of my first jobs out here was working in business affairs for CAA in, in, when I moved to LA. Mm -hmm. um, so in a weird way, it kind of has always been a part of my life. You know, my dad also heavily encouraged me not to be a lawyer. <laughs> really? I wish my parents had talked to your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the content creators that you've helped? Are there any major case studies that you could share with us? Yeah, I think there's a few I would love to bring up. So when, when we look at the foundation of what our company is and the fact that we work with top creators, you know, and, and I think when we've actually looked at the kind of main channel or account our, our clients have, it's usually averaging out about 4.1 million followers or subscribers across 
our kind of creator side of our business. So we work with a lot of really top creators. The ones I want to bring up uh, the most are use cases where it's actually smart creators who have really poured their heart and soul into creating wonderful content only for someone else to take it and actually see more success from it than they did. You know, there's one example where a really awesome kind of production company that has a channel, they created a um, fake kind of commercial to enter in a contest. And what ended up happening was that somebody else ripped that content. That content was extremely successful and probably earned them, you know, probably, I I would assume, at least probably five figures or more. Um, I was introduced to them because not only were they not able to uh, protect their content or claim the revenue from from this situation, but YouTube was actually not allowing them in the YouTube Partner Program so they could monetize their own channel. And when they were applying, they were being kicked back because they were being told they were using reused content. And the reason why is because this one video was so successful that was pirated that other people were pirating it and it made their channel look like they were also pirating it (laughs) because they weren't the first to put it out. And so it really caused a lot of issues for them. When we were able to actually go in and work with them, we were one, able to kind of work with YouTube to get them in the YouTube partner program. So any, you know, content they're posting their own channels monetizing. But, you know, we've also been able to help them earn real revenue when people are pirating this content um, through content in this tool. You know, it really kind of shows that it's not just big companies um, or big creators that have piracy issues. It can actually be um, smart creators as well. And how, how much additional revenue did you recoup for that creator? I, I would have to look at the total amount, but, you know, I mean, it's four to five figures, you know, uh, so it's been pretty solid for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's just something too where it's offering protection. And if it happens again, we're, we're there to cover it. You know, we've had a lot of, of situations actually like that pop up. So, you know, that, that's kind of one interesting use case. Uh, the second, you know, what I want to bring up, which I think is, is kind of mind-blowing in numbers and is around a bigger creator. You know, when we were brought on, they had a, you know, English language channel. They had an, um, an Arabic re-upload that at the time where we claimed it, it was around 250 million views. So this is already absolutely massive kind of viral video. Wow. And that's on the Arabic re-upload? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, as we claimed it, you know, and, and, you know, they had so much piracy out there. It's so, so much piracy out there. But in that part- for that particular video, I mean, it got to around a billion before it was uh, taken off of YouTube. You know, and so you have about 750 million views that actually were able to monetize for them. And the interesting thing about that, right, is that it also kind of is a really good thing for them to think about or any client of ours to think about. In terms of, okay, do I have an audience there that I'm just, that if I dubbed my content, that would, this would appeal to? Um, and so, you know, it's really interesting when we see these use cases pop up. And we've had other use cases where we notice um, particular videos really do well in a country. And then usually if it's digged into, it's because it's dubbed in the local language. They, there's actually a community and a following around that content. And then for the creator or the company, you know, it can be a bigger business decision of do they want to, um, actually localize that content and start new channels. So the work we do, you know, it's, it's one from a revenue perspective, it's great to be able to claim and, and to monetize prior to content or remove it if you want. But there's also a lot of data that can lead to business decisions a lot of people don't think about. And then, you know, there's a lot of other cases. Um, one of which I love is out of a whole three or, or five minute video, you know, a, a, a small kind of chunk of the video start being used in kind of more of like a... <laughs> I would almost say kind of meme type video or, you know, something that was around like 30 seconds that was then tossed into 
a lot of comedy compilations and things of that nature. Uh, and that's been you know, a major revenue driver for that client because it just keeps getting reused and reshared. And then they get a cut of that revenue along with whatever rights holders are also claiming those videos. But it's, it's really, you know, it's not just about helping big companies protect their, uh, you know, and, and monetize their uh, pirated content. But there's a lot of people who are creators, you know, whether they're big or small and they're on other platforms than YouTube. And if that content's being used and it is making money for people, you know, they should have the right to have that money go to them. Yeah. That is so fascinating. Yeah. How do you even get the word out that you exist to other content creators? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, a lot of it has really been word of mouth and really just people who, yeah, I mean, people who are already working with us. You know, since my business partner and I have been working in the industry for a long period of time, and, you know, with working with YouTube creators and other creators in this way, you know, it's, it's relatively new. You know, I would say, you know, creators weren't really making a full-time living until around the time we even started, um, which is crazy to even look back to, you know, kind of that 10 to 15 year range. You know, so it's a lot of word of mouth from like happy clients of ours or people who know us and, and know we have a really good track record. I had a call with somebody the other week and they even said at the end of the call, like, I didn't even know you existed until so-and-so told me, <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, it's, it's great somebody told him, but also, you know, it's... What we do is very niche. And I think when you have a problem and you start asking people around, that's usually how you come to us. You know, we're, we're really more about uh, being boutique, uh, you know, and, and we are, of course, you know, growing and growing and trying to, you know, um, make sure that our, our quality of service always maintains to, is the highest in the industry. I mean, that's really important to us. Yeah. When you're thinking about what you hope, you know, the internet looks like in the future and content creation in the future. What are you hoping to see as, as we move forward? From a business perspective, how you, how you would think these platforms have a solution for this and they don't. Um, but the reality is, is that you know, Content ID and like Facebook has Rights Manager, they actually have put the, these products out there, but who uses them is, is very limited because you, know, you have to be a rights holder. You typically have to have enough content and enough kind of trust in the space to be able to use these tools efficiently because there can also, of course, be a lot of abuse, right? And, and I could spend 20 minutes talking about situations that's happened where even YouTube's taken certain people to court because they've abused this tool and, and recouped money from, from people they shouldn't have, have uh, taken that money from. But, you know, one thing I would say is I think that there... I, I think that globally and across a lot more platforms, there should be more tools available to rights holders. You know, YouTube has always been kind of uh, one of the best in class services. It's been around, you know, content has been around since 2007. Facebook rights manager is newer, but, you know, there's a lot of other platforms that there's a lot of piracy occurring there. A lot of our clients want to see, you know, us being able to work there and them being able to control their rights, and they just can't. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's probably going to change with some legislation that was uh, passed, I think, at this point, about two years ago, that still needs to be implemented. I think from a business perspective, I think that's the bigger thing is social sharing is just such a part of our world now. And a lot of people are using that to their advantage to be able to you know, monetize pirated content on YouTube. Because you know, just to let you know, like if something is really big on another platform, then chances are those, the people who want to watch that are also going to want to watch it on YouTube as well. And so there's always something, you know, if, if a platform kind of pops off and we saw it with Vine, we've seen it with TikTok, you know, we saw it with Musical.ly, 
uh, you know, pre-TikTok, you know, that's always going to be something that happens because of just how YouTube is and how well content monetizes and all, and all of those things. Are there any other services you offer? Have you helped creators connect with each other? Is that a component or no? Uh, that's not a component. The other service we kind of offer outside of digital rights management is really just helping kind of media companies and, and larger companies just grow their official channels more. A lot of people are really great at making content. But when it kind of comes to programming on YouTube or other platforms such as Facebook, uh, it's, it's a different ballgame. You have to understand the, uh, their algorithm. You have to understand you know, how to keep you know, retain viewers, uh, attract new viewers. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And it's really a specialty. You know, we, we also help companies in that way. So at the end of the day, you know, we really help whether you kind of look at either business unit we have, you know, it's really just about people making the most of their content and, you know, monetizing the best they can or really controlling how it goes out. You know, there's a lot of people who program to, to YouTube who aren't really sure what they're doing or learned how to post years ago. And there's been a lot of platform updates. You know, YouTube recently released Shorts, you know, which I'm not sure if you're aware of Shorts. Yeah, they're trying so hard to compete with TikTok. Like Instagram stories. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's YouTube's kind of play. When YouTube does things like this, it's incredibly important to lean into it. But you have to think about how you use that with your content strategy and what's, what's working, what's not, and really be able to look at it from a higher level. Uh, and there's a lot of other features that, that YouTube have released over the years or different changes they made to the algorithm that you really have to be aware of it. You have to have experience testing a lot of different things. And that's really where we, where we come in you know, as experts in, the, in that space. To go way, way back, you know, when YouTube switched from, you know, in a sense, clicks to watch time, which is, you know, the amount someone's watched of a video or videos on a, on a channel or even session time, which is the overall amount of time they spent on the platform. You know, like when that happened, you can imagine, you know, they did it to get rid of more clickbait. Nice. But a lot of people who were focused on the older version of the algorithm, of course, like their viewership died. And I, I knew a lot of creators who uh, they were great people, but they could not transition the way they had to transition with YouTube to continue to be successful. And YouTube repeatedly makes these changes, you know, big and small. And so we're kind of there to help, uh, especially uh, companies in traditional media, understand the platform better uh, and understand what they need to be doing to, uh, you know, achieve success. Well, all of that is really fascinating and I'm glad you're doing it. I both hope and don't hope that I need your services in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really hope. Yeah. I mean, listen, if uh, you need our services on the piracy side, it means that a lot of people are putting out your, you know, are pirating your content, which, you know, usually uh, does mean that you, you know, you have large audience and there's people who are seeing uh, potential to get viewership by leveraging your content in your name, which I think is a huge part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you have a really massive fan-engaged community where they want to do a lot of fan content. Uh, and then on the official side, it just means that you kind of want to explore uh, improving a different platform. You know, I get a question a lot of time on the creator side of what, like, what kind of clients typically work best for your services. And you know, there's a wide range. And there's people who have more viral content. There's also people who... They have a lot of people who want to be leveraging their name in... in search and the YouTube algorithm, as well as knowing that that creator has a built-in audience. And so if they're posting their content and they're using their name, there's a good chance that some of their uh, existing audience will start to feed over to that unofficial channel and that unofficial video. Right. You know, I don't want to... It's weird because I want to say, oh, you know, if you're working with us, it's a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, uh, 
theoretically in a perfect world, you know, certain types of piracy wouldn't exist, you know, but it does. And as I mentioned, social sharing is such a huge part of our culture now that, you know, people are in a sense, like if they're a fan or, or they're people who are seeing your content, they feel like they, you know, should have the right to be able to do things to your content as a rights holder you may or may not be okay with. And so unfortunately, you know, you just have to be able to decide what you are comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And sometimes that means bringing in a service like us to make sure that, you know, you're properly protected and that you're able to, you know, have claimed the stuff that you want to have claimed. I hope to be using your services very soon. <laughs> but as I am not a frequent content <laughs> creator, I hope that Allie uses your services soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so interesting. You know, we love looking at different communities and trends here. And I just think it's, I've been joking for a long time that we kind of live in the wild west of the internet. And so it's, you're like the cowboy who's coming in and, and doing some cleanup, but not in like a racist, weird way. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing how racist the wild west was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty racist. So yeah. thank you so much for doing the work you're doing without being racist. Hopefully. I don't know. We just met, but you know, you seem cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out. You know, I love to talk about this, and I hope that you know your your listeners, uh, you know, found what I was saying useful. And yeah, thank you for having me. Wow, Chris's company sounds pretty cool, and it's nice that there's someone looking out for like not quite the little guy, like the medium guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, all all the sizes really. He's um, size agnostic, which is nice. Mm. Yeah. Size agnostic. And like, I know he didn't really jump on it, but I think his kink is fine print. It's got to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. When people tell you they're not into something, Allie, you have to listen to them. No, I just and respect. Listen. We haven't respect done a kink their... show in a long time, and I'm just trying to make it work, you know, for myself. <laughs> She's desperate. Yeah. Desperate. Uh, I mean, listeners, if you have a good kink that's on the internet, Allie is really, I've really changed the direction of this to a too wholesome situation. So we've, we gotta we've got to get down and dirty. Well, we've just, we've covered so many kinks. I mean, there's more, there's always new, there's always new kinks popping up every day. Anyway, my kink is um, oh, no. having money fall into my lap from somewhere. So I really like super bam. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, maybe we should tell everybody about our Patreon. Any oh, amount that's a helps. great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash 2G1P. You can also and that's yeah. that's how Patreon. If you don't have a Patreon, you might not know how it works. A hole in the sky opens, and then the cash just rains down onto creators. That is how they deliver it. Yeah, uh, and it's really it pretty like fun. Know that. To be honest, it sounds yeah. it sounds just like this. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the so technology if you want, involved is amazing. Yeah, if you want to hear that sound, just click head on over there and click send money any amount. One dollar, two dollars, forty-eight dollars, mm -hmm. thirty-eight cents. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, we Whatever some, you and want. We got some perks on there for you. So Patreon.com/slash/2G1P. You can also email us your thoughts, fears, and adoration. Two um, G One Podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail. That number is three four seven eight seven one six five four eight. That number again three four seven eight seven one six eight. You can pop into our Discord Discord.gg/2G1P. You can find us on Facebook at Two Girls One Podcast. And across all social media platforms, I'm at 
Allie underscore Goldie, A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. And Lindsay. I'm at the Lindsay Life, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-L-I-F-E across all platforms. I just want to reiterate, please leave us a voicemail. There's so many cool peeps in the Discord. If one of y'all just called and left a voicemail, that would be so exciting for me. (laughs) I do love those. All right. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much. Part your faces. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg, then re-uploaded in Arabic, where it gets millions more listens. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Abital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.